Hello, hello, and welcome back to DFT's Dungeon. My name is Daniel Terry, and you are listening to episode two of season two of this podcast. And I've got more of a lighthearted one this week because last week's episode was a little heavy. And so uh, I just want to let you guys know that I do like to have fun sometimes. So I called up my best bud, Buddy Reno, to sit down and talk about one of our favorite records of all time. This record is absolutely solid gold, and it is Nodes of Ranvier, the self-titled album that came out in 2003. And we have nearly an hour of conversation, not only about the music that's on this record, but also the impact that it had on our lives after it came out. So I hope you guys enjoy all the stories and I'm going to shut up so that we can get into it. Well, and it's funny too, because like, I don't really use <laughs> Excuse me. Oh my god. Um, oh no, he's dead. And then he died. The TFT just died on the <laughs> He just died. I just Buddy had to die. Buddy's like, thank God I was connected because I was able to download the recordings and get them to you guys like yeah. sound footage style. I faked uh, the rest of the podcast with chat GPT and then an audio synthesizer from all of his past recordings. So. Perfection. <laughs> Absolute perfection. Speaking of perfection, so you know, it's no I, I already said this in the intro, but there are certain records that like yeah i've got like a deep like you know guys the very first time i ever got over having chronic constipation was by listening to such and such record right but there's some records where like they're almost too perfect for me to like put my own garbage into it you know what i mean like <laughs> uh and, and i feel that way very strongly about nodes of ranvier or nodes of ranvier as we call them in the in the midwest that hard a in there ranvier ranvier have you guys tried some nodes of ranvier today yeah <laughs> i think that with this nodes album in particular i want to start sort of talking about when we first heard this record and i i remember it we were on our way so buddy and i used to be in a band called jelly donut yeah and i think the first time we heard this album well, I mean, the first time I heard it, Buddy probably heard it before because he had the CD. Yeah. But I remember, I think I remember when we were so it was like a forty-minute drive down to band practice because our drummer lived in well, DeSoto, like which is like yeah, yeah we live we live closer to the city, and so it was like a forty-minute drive down there. And of course, me and Buddy back then were just like everything that we do that's not us driving in the car listening to CDs is a distraction. Yeah. <laughs> right. If there was anything that we wanted to do, I mean, there were because if we weren't walking around your house, like because you had this like big, you had this loop that we would use, we used to do. And it was like, God, what, like a mile, two miles almost walking around like the extended half of your neighborhood. And yeah, yeah, we had that. We had the big circle. Yeah, we had the big yeah. circle. And then you could go up the street like by for like half a mile and then it would turn into another huge circle that's how i stayed uh that's how i stayed skinny back then was, yeah. was i would just walk <laughs> like i would just walk with my with my uh walk band it was a, a cd player i would walk with yeah. a cd player well I, we got uh, them headphones that. that you could twist the cups out on and we just turn the volume all the way up and listen to stuff while we were walking and talking <laughs> yeah people love that 
yeah so when we were doing that we were driving because our cars had better speakers (laughs) well you were driving i don't think anybody understands that or i don't think i've ever said that i didn't start driving until i was 18 so up until that point i pretty much just rode around with you yeah i picked you up for school every morning and we listened to whatever every morning (laughs) yeah and like in the summertime we would just you would just pick me up and we would just go do whatever you know (laughs) for the day and uh, eat big and tasties, right? Like Exactly. <laughs> but I remember hearing this record. We were driving down to band practice in DeSoto. So I sang in Jelly Donut and Buddy played guitar. And um, we were we would drive down there and Buddy had two CDs. He had Disciples Back Again. Oh, I and, remember that album. Yeah. And it was, uh, and then no, obviously Nodes of Ron VA, self-titled Nodes of Ron VA. And that record, I mean, we actually put the Disciple record in first. I remember it was like, yeah, I mean, sure. It's okay. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't hate Disciple or anything. I mean, because like, back then I was going, I would hear like, you know, because we, we used to frequent like godcore.com or whatever random website. You'd, you'd spend all night getting like one track, right? And so you'd be like, okay, this band sounds like a band I might like. And so then you would scrape up your change from doing side jobs or whatever, or, you know, you'd go up to the Christian bookstore and you'd look for that band, you know, and you just bought whatever album was available because that's all you could do. (laughs) And that's how I ended up with Disciple and Nodes. Yeah. And it was just like, we, we kind of had the inventory because there used to be a place up here called One Way Books, I believe is where we went a lot of the time. Yeah, it was one And way. it was right by Chuck E. Cheese. I remember that. And um, I don't know why I remember that. But Very random bit of information. <laughs> they also used to have Keller Plaza over there, which was um, the movie theater. Because I remember I went and saw Who Framed Roger Rabbit as a kid. And my mom, you know, obviously was like walking us out of the theater like 15 minutes into that movie. And then um, I remember I snuck back in and I watched like two minutes of Ninja Turtles. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> but I just heard that's where One Way Book was. So if you, if you guys are local to us, you'll, you'll know what we're talking about. You'll know about. what we're talking about. Maybe. But we would go to One Way Books and they would just have, like, yeah, they, like we had kind of their stock memorized because it was, it was mostly CCM. Yeah. Uh, but they had CCM a small or section. ska. Yeah. They had a small section for like metal. And I don't remember, I don't think it was described as metal, but it was called, it was like, I think it said rock. But then they yeah. put stuff like Nodes Around VA and disciple in there which disciples still kind of you know they're they're more like rap rock but that's where i found a bunch of stuff like the showdown and so i think when we were doing that drive i i, I maybe had listened to that disciple record one time but you know uh we were purchased justification right so we're listening to rap rock <laughs> well i remember that disciple album starts off really hard like it goes hard on the song back again it's going like really hard it's like all screams and 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 we loved it. Yeah, it starts. And then you good. were like, "Hey, dude, this song's really really cool, but like the the intro for the other CD that I have is like way better." <laughs> and I was yeah. like, "I was like, okay, all right, yeah, let's check it out." And you put it in. I'll never forget. Just the. This is Jimmy Page, and I want to hear some rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, it just like it was wild. Like we we'd heard nodes of Ron Vier before because 
on Godcore, we had like two of their songs, which was on their album um, Lost Innocence. No, hold on, Lost, Lost Senses, Senses More Innocence. Innocence. Yeah. yeah, and so we and we liked those. I remember we were like, "Oh man, the vocalist is like so ungodly deep," and yeah. um, <laughs> and they had a little bit of clean singing in it, which I was like a big fan of back then. Uh, I, I've grown to like clean singing again in heavy music, but uh, I, I don't prefer it. Like, I'm, I'm totally yeah. okay if you just want to do that guttural stuff like the whole time. That I'm totally cool with that. I remember we were like, we were just kind of blown away because we, I don't think we'd ever even heard a full length album by then. I, by them, I think this was the first one because you yeah. recognize the name and you're like, hey, I remember this from Godcore buying this because I know it's, you know, it's going to be up my alley. It's going to be what we're looking for. Yeah, because I think. Um, the only track that we had heard was, do, I think, Do You Want to Dance? And Horizon. Horizon, yeah. There was one other one that we had heard. Those were the only things we ever heard. Maybe Soundtrack for Salvation, I think, was the one where he starts. He's like, Salvation, Salvation, Salvation. Oh, yeah, I do yeah. remember that one. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Because we had only heard the couple that we could get from the, the website. Yeah, yeah. And it was, like, very, like, overtly Christian on that first record. And then this one, like it still kind of is, but it's it's weird and different and fun. And I mean, we're still talking about it like twenty years later. So like it's yeah, I don't so know it's, it's been obviously twenty fun. years, but it's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, we've been listening to this record. I guess I should know when the record came out, right? Like we're doing a podcast on a record, two thousand three. <laughs> so it's been twenty years. We just got we got through it. Um, we've done it. <laughs> but yeah, so I remember I remember we were listening to that album. We were driving like you know through Hickville, Missouri. You know, getting getting down there to record our band that didn't sound anything like that yet and uh it was uh it was definitely i remember it being so fun and i think that that record that that first song a clean hand and a clear conscience was like so perfect for us because the song like lyrically is very um about non-conformity but like in that cool like at least at the time like christian rock way where it's like a song about not drinking and how like you know i'm not a conformist like you are i know you guys are like punk rock but you're actually the conformist you know because he's like i don't abide by the punk rock laws and i don't bow to the gods of the scene and all of that stuff and i remember thinking that that was like really cool like that was that was really the kind of stuff that was our bread and butter back then because it was like we had we were young and like maybe a little bit naive but at the same time like these were our anthems like it, it reinforced things that we already sort of felt about the world and that was kind of what our identity was so yeah. i think that song right off the bat like really connected with us in a way well in a way to where you would keep talking about it 20 years later yeah well i mean you know if you like pulling a pulling a line from it all your talk and all your ideals run from your mouth rapid and dirty and you know if you think about like where we were we were in high school you know, when you're in high school, everything about music somehow like becomes your identity, like because you're still trying to understand what it is to be like who you are. A person. And yeah, exactly. You know, and so you latch on to, you know, music because you want to be part of a group. You want to be you, you don't want to be excluded from X, Y, Z. So you get into X, Y, Z things. And for us, it was like, you know, well, I don't want to fit in with, you know, these other people this was our way of being like well i don't have to if i don't want to yeah but as for me i'll stay sober (laughs) 
Yeah. But as for me, I'll stay sober. I'll stay sober. Oh my gosh. It'll just be an hour so clip from this song. Like the song's only two minutes long. I'll find a way to clip out all two minutes of it and then get copyright struck. Um, but yeah. like, yeah, I mean, this song a- absolutely like blew me away and really starts getting good. Not that that song isn't good. I mean, all the songs are incredible. When you get to uh, eight weeks of privilege, no time for regret. That's where the real like meat of this album starts to shine through. Yeah, the first song is pretty driving most of the time, and it's punch, 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 you know, like the whole time. Uh, but part of what makes Nodes really special throughout the entire album is they know when to like press in and push forward with something heavy, and then they know when to pull it back, dial it back, and let you feel those like waves and so that makes the heavy parts hit way harder and they start really doing this super effectively on the second track it shows the band's more melodic side because i think that i think that this record is like objectively heavier than the last one yeah as far as like the actual like just flat out like brutality moments whereas the other one kind of the other record reminds me a lot of zeo actually uh, and this one doesn't. This one, this one was kind of the first record where they, well, kind of the only record because they changed a lot after this. Yeah, they changed where, where after they, this record. This to me is like the Nodes sound. So there's there's elements of this sound in the previous record, but here it's like fully realized where they're like, we're just gonna go full on assault. Yeah, I mean it starts off with remove your hand from my throat. Yeah, which but, uh, trivia moment? We named one of the End of Destiny songs. We we sort of attributed the name to this song those lyrics because we have a song on the end of destiny record called uh luxury of suicide and the original the original name for that song was luxury of suicide removing my hands from my throat whereas i mean obviously this one it's like removing your hands from my throat but we since that song was about like self-destruction we we tried to do a thing uh, yeah <laughs> and, <laughs> and we uh, ended up dropping it and it's just luxury suicide now. it's just luxury suicide now it's probably yeah. it was probably a better decision but yeah no yeah it starts off hard and it goes you know it, it the song essentially is a, is a relationship song which normally you know f- us being into christian hardcore we typically like tended to shy away from those types of songs yeah you know, but like this one was very relatable to us. And yeah. I think that it still uses a lot of that terminology because I can't ever get past the whole like there's a part where it all sort of drops out and he's like, he's like, so I killed this desire and it's and it quickly became distaste, distaste for you, you know. Um, and then they just go into that just like, oh, the, yeah, you are swayed, but to the but soul, you're soul sour. You're sour. And it's like, it's like really so melodic good. and pretty at the beginning. And then they, they sort of pick up the pace and go into that like, really classic early 2000s metalcore like drive you know yeah and like that part still gets me like i i still i still get like sort of goosebumpy whenever i listen to that part of the song Yeah, I love that part. I mean, that this song has come up so many times, you know, as a significant, you know, like anthem for me, you know, just because like with what it's its subject matter allows me to like kind of place it into a lot of things like 
this album specifically this song when i was quitting a, a toxic job like two jobs ago um was you know i listened to it on repeat a lot you know because i needed you know i needed a confidence boost to get out of it and interestingly like the first time that this kind of became a significant uh you know piece of music for me was i guess it was yeah it was my senior year i had started a, a relationship with this girl and i only had maybe one other girlfriend before that i think and i had dated her for like exactly eight weeks now don't get me wrong dated means we had called her on the phone and we right. talked every now and then awkwardly right but you didn't go anywhere really yeah exactly <laughs> and i mean if, if you know me if you've met me you know i'm kind of a happy bubbly you know dude and i think she met me and dan at the same time because we both went to the youth group you know and so i ended up you know just i don't i don't know maybe i don't know what happened i don't know how the heck it happened but i got her number and she was like sure and so we just started talking and we you know i tried to hang out with her a couple times it just wasn't really working out you know but uh i had already it was close to prom time and so i obviously you know okay well i'm dating the girl so i need and I, I buy her the ticket to prom you know and I mean, those prom tickets are still like a hundred something dollars, you know, yeah. or something crazy like that. So, you know, I buy this ticket and then, you know, we're talking on the phone one night and I over the like second half of those eight weeks, she's getting very standoffish, you know, and I eventually was just like, all right, well, you know, what's what's the deal? Do you do you even like me? You know, she's like, no, not really. You know, I don't think we gel. And I'm like, all right, I kind of get that, too. At least she you was know? honest. Yeah. yeah, at least she was honest. So I was like, all right, well, you know, it's not like we did anything. We talked for a while and that was about it. So, you know, it really wasn't much skin off my back. But, yeah, you know how it is. You you, you try to put a tough face on. It still sucked. Um, yeah. But she, you know, I think you called me up, you know, right after I had broke up with her. And, you know, me and you were just we're friends hardcore no matter what. And. You know, you were like, well, hey, I kind of liked her, too, you know, and I'm like, all right, well, we didn't gel. So if she likes you, I am i don't care, you know, and then he goes, what about you and prom? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, uh, I forgot about that. And I'm like, well, I can't get a refund on this ticket and I don't feel like going by myself, you know, and everybody's already got it. Everybody's already, you know, paired up. So it's not like I'm going to have somebody to go with. So I was like, all right, well, you know. I'll just I'll just take her, you know, if she's up for that, you know, because I mean, some people like going dances or whatever. And, you know, I asked her, I called her back up and I was like, hey, I still have this ticket. You know, I don't really want to go by myself. Would you would you still go with me as just friends? And then we'll just walk in, take the picture and then we can split off and you can talk sure, to whoever, yeah. you know, just just amiable, you know, trying to try to just, you know, save my own face a little bit. And she was like, yeah, sure, that, that'd be fine. And I don't know what in the world happened that that night but we got in took the picture and then she was just like screw you buddy you know you are dirt and dead and wouldn't oh, talk to me the rest of the night didn't even want to meet any of the other friends i had like you know just wanted absolutely nothing to do with me sat on the side of the uh um auditorium or gym or whatever it was and was like i don't want to be here and i'm like okay you know so like right ruining half my height you know but then you know we we leave from that and then you start dating her 
and because she liked, you know, how you were kind of depressed and hated everything. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that's interesting because the way I remember it is basically like pretty much the same. Like, I remember we had sort of met. I remember the, the weird awkwardness that was there because we were buddy and I talk on the phone all the time. Yeah. Somehow we were able to play games. Like I remember I played a lot of like GoldenEye 007 while I was on the phone with Buddy. And like the thought of like sitting there and playing a video game now while being on the phone with somebody, like I, I could only do one or the one or the other now. Yeah, I couldn't do that anymore. But back then I was like rocking headshots with that horrible controller while talking about music. Well, like half the time it's like it's like I'm playing Goldeneye and we're talking and then Buddy's like listen to this track and he's like holding the phone up to the to the yeah. speaker, right? <laughs> uh, and so that that was like that was our existence, you know. And I remember I remember we were talking about we did we you know we talked about girls and stuff and I remember I had met this girl at a party at a friend's house uh, like I talked about in the Dead Poetic episode I would get invited to parties all the time it was just kind of new for me and uh, so I met this girl and we were talking um, of just about our like we were we were sort of like just like making fun of other people at the party like if I'm being honest uh, we were just sort of like poking fun and. Um, I liked that she was like real sarcastic and like sort of down on stuff and like she liked that about me too that we were both kind of sarcastic and so we hit it off really well and we, and we talked for like a long time that night and I remember like a few nights later a buddy and I are talking on the phone and we're both talking about this girl that we met that we hit it off with you know pretty well uh, uh-huh. and like having a good time or whatever and buddy's like yeah you know I got her number and you know so we're like they were whatever the high school equivalent of dating was, you know, in a Christian group at the, you know, at that time. Uh, So like back then it was like very serious, like as adults now, like we're married and have kids. And so it's like, that was, you were talking about phone calls, you know, but like basically I remember being like, Oh cool. And I think it was like, it was like two or three conversations before we really realized we were talking about the same girl, you know, we had no idea. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't one of those like, Hey bro, I'm macking up on your girl. You know, like it wasn't anything like that. It was literally just one of those like, oh okay. And whenever he said he were dating, you know, they were dating, I kind of was just like, oh okay, cool. You know what I mean? And then it was just yeah. like whatever. It was business business as usual for the next however many we eight weeks. <laughs> you yeah. know that it went eight weeks. Uh, no time because, for regret. <laughs> right, right. So like because we were all going to youth group together, you know, we all saw each other all the time anyway. Right. So like her and I are like still talking, like being amicable, but like, I'm also like trying not to like move in or do anything, you know, weird, you know, because at the, at the, at the end of the day, like, you know, this girl, even when her and I were dating, like would only call me like once a week or whatever, like. I got way more buddy time, you know, than I got (laughs) with anybody else. And like, she wasn't like really into the kind of music I was into because like nobody was. Except for me. (laughs) Except for me and buddy. Yeah. We were like on this (laughs) island of, of that. And so I remember you had called me and you were like, yeah, you know, uh, we, we broke up, you know, or I guess agreed not to call each other. <laughs> I don't yeah. know, like, I don't remember how any of that stuff works. Like I remember a lot, but I don't remember like what the rules were, you know? Yeah, cause, like, I mean, nobody can drive. You're in cars, you go to different schools, high schools entirely. So what does it even mean? You know, yeah. like, like, yeah, I, I can't, I could only drive on a weekend, you know, to go, you know, anywhere yeah. outside of town. So yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because I remember us having that conversation. I don't remember like specifically what we said, but I remember you being like, yeah, we broke up, whatever, like, you know, amicable or whatever and all of that. And I was like, you know, well, would you be upset if I, you know, and what he's like, no, I don't, I don't care, whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and so because again, it's not like any of us like dated anybody for like months and months and months at a time or anything. So it wasn't like that big of a deal. But I remember you being like, "Yeah, I don't really, you know, I don't really." That's fine. So her and I started dating. Yeah. Now I killed this desire, and it quickly became distaste. Distaste for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it was funny because I mean it was kind of the same thing. So like we actually we got along like thickest thieves for a while, and yeah. um, and then. I remember, like, because it was, again, like, the entire sort of status of our relationship was sort of, like, based on the fact that we were both kind of, like, the down and out, like, not super social people and, and yada, 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 yada. But, like, from my perspective, and you can sort of garner a lot of this from, like, some of the stuff I talked about in season one about, like, sort of getting into music and feeling like I couldn't really fit in with anybody. But, like, by the time I was in, like, my junior year of high school... I was the music guy at school and would talk to people about music all the time and, and was really, really into it. And I had all these friends from the youth group and like, I was starting to feel pretty good. And then I had this girlfriend, you know what I mean? And we had just started this band, you know, we were in a Christian rock band and I was the lead singer and I felt like as close to a rock star as you could get, <laughs> you know, yeah. at that age, you know? And so I was feeling pretty good about everything. So like, naturally I started to kind of cheer up. <laughs> you know, and, and be like pretty positive about stuff. And, um, I had no idea what was coming down the pipeline later in my life, but like, <laughs> I was feeling pretty good at that time. And so, um, well, she didn't like that. Yeah. She didn't like that at all. Right. Like she was very like, well, you know, one of the things I liked about you was, th so she didn't talk like that. It's disrespectful for me to use that voice, but she was just like, I don't think that <laughs> that's where the shotgun blast goes. But I like she was just like I you know I liked you because you were sarcastic and 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 yada 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 yada, and I was like yeah but like who on earth would like want the person that they're dating to like be in a bad mood Miserable. all the time you know like it was kind of messed up so yeah it was kind of very like you know I it quickly became distaste you know because I was like oh I don't want to be sad and then of course I, I was sad <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know because we had broken up. There's a whole other subplot to this story that I'll get into probably on another episode, but I'll spoil a little bit of it with you guys. Pretty much the weekend her and I broke up was the first weekend I ever heard Zayo. Yeah. <laughs> and so I remember listening to uh, listening to a Zayo song, and like that pretty much like after I heard that one Zayo song, it was Ravage Ritual, and I heard that one song, and I was like, yeah, I don't really care about any of this stuff anymore. Like, I only care about, like... I only care about this. Yeah, I only care about this. I only care about the way this band sounds. And then you, you know? called me up and played it over the phone, as we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you had downloaded um, that, a couple tracks from... Uh, were Blood and Fire, and then you also downloaded uh, Resistance from the self-titled remake, because then you showed me the, Resistance. It was the All Else Failed remake, yeah. Yeah, the All Else yeah, Failed yeah. remake, yeah. And you showed me Resistance, and that was what, you know, clicked for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, It's 100%. funny how nodes led that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is funny. Like, yeah, if you guys expected us to stay on topic, I mean, come on. Yeah, that was never going to uh, happen. We're going to get through all these songs, though, so yes. you know, get, get ready for that. Um, but I think that it was fun. It is funny. The prom thing too. Cause I remember what I did that weekend too. Uh, the weekend you guys went to prom as I sat at home playing breath of fire three on the original PlayStation. I mean, and we're talking like, we're talking like white t-shirt, a bag of Doritos, underpants, <laughs> eating pizza. You know what I mean? Like, like not even, not, not even like 
really processing that like my best friend was like at prom with my girlfriend <laughs> yeah. you know and then it's funny too because like i remember you like calling me up like later on that night and she's like i don't know man she's like got like really mean <laughs> like and yeah. i don't know why but like she got like, really thought... mean and i and i said something stupid like yeah she does that you know <laughs> yeah like it was just so dumb we were too we were too much bros to even understand <laughs> Yeah, totally. And it, like, it was, I mean, it was the same thing for me. Like I cheered up and she, you know, she didn't like that. I cheered up and, and, and all that. And it was, it was really kind of, kind of silly like yeah. looking back on it. But yeah, so that, that's in conclusion, that song is, was very relatable to both of us for very different reasons, but also the same reason. Yes. Oh, I remember what is... I was going to tell you too. Cause like when we were still, so the weekend before we broke up, I remember the core memory unlocked. Uh, I remember it was kind of it was kind of the same thing. So like we um, we played our very first show as Jelly Donut. Oh uh, yeah. With uh, we played with a band called Big Fat Jam, who was like a Christian Southern rock band. Yeah, I remember um, that. Was that. And they were actually church? like really cool. Like I, I remember like thinking yeah. they were really neat. That was at and our we, church at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was at yeah. uh, Windsor Baptist. And That's we, right. Uh, yeah, we played that. I've got video of it somewhere. Uh, I'm not going to upload it to YouTube. Yeah, we're but, not. Uh, no. Because I like grabbed my crotch weirdly the whole time during the performance. I'm not sure what that was about, but I did yeah. it. Not I even intentionally. It. It's just that's where you happen to put your hand. <laughs> I didn't even notice. Yeah, I didn't even notice it until people started showing me the video footage. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, <laughs> I honestly have no idea. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, but I remember she came to that show and I'd been like, I had talked this poor girl's ear off about, oh, I'm in a band and uh, I'm the singer and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, like things that you, stupid things that you're excited about. And um, she came to the show and she just like sat in the, f in the back row doing homework the whole time and like not even watching us play. And yeah. so like pretty, pretty much after that, I knew it was like, yeah, this is not going to, this is not going to, this is not going to well. last. Yeah. And, and like her and I ended up going to homecoming um, finally. And it was like really, um, like the same experience I had. It was the same experience as you. Yeah, like we got there and she didn't want to dance with her. We're like we're not we're not here to like character assassinate this person. It was just kind of it was just kind of weird that him and I had like basically the exact same <laughs> you know type of experience. Yeah. And the funny um, thing is how it both led to the discovery of Zeo. Yes. Which is hilarious. Yeah, everybody loves Zeo. That's really the only significance of this story. <laughs> and then we move on to track three, Butcher the baker plus the candlestick maker oh yeah pure brutality yeah, this one just goes hard. The, the first three tracks are so solid that that's why they have to put an instrumental after number three. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, this song was crazy because, and and so we uh, obviously like not every song we're gonna have like a massive story to go with it, but uh, this one in yeah. particular, I remember the reason I remember this song so much is because Buddy and I. So this is a few years later after the other, like when we were both out of out of high school. Yeah. Um, where I remember Buddy calling me up one night and being like, hey, um, I'm on this radio show now yeah. uh, that's on. Because you, you were going to a different church. I don't think I was going to church anymore after that. Yeah. Like, I, I kind of bounced around, but I don't think I had like a home church. But you had plugged into a local church. 
when they found out that you were into you know <laughs> heavy music it, yeah there was yeah. some dudes at my church that were going at midnight to this college uh where they were broadcasting out uh there was like a there was like a show before the midnight show that was like classic christian rock like 80s and stuff like that striper you know that kind of thing and then yeah. the 12 to 2 a.m slot was these other two dudes and they were playing you know like um gosh like christian pop punk you know that kind of thing yeah. this was a lot of reliant k that kind of stuff and uh they had asked me if i wanted to go and be on it and i was like sure i, I mean i was out of college i was out of was i out of college maybe i was I think I you might have been out of college. I think you were I think working I was out of at the time. You were yeah, like the working. most successful one out of all of us. So yeah, you yeah. were working already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was working and I, I I was living with two other guys in an apartment and I was like, I ain't doing anything. So sure, I'll spend my Saturday nights until 2 a.m. And uh, the other guy dropped out and then the other guy wanted to drop out after I'd been there for about, I think, three months and I kind of knew how the control set worked. And he was like, do you know anybody that would do it for you? You know, that would do it with you. And I was like, I think I know a guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's i remember you calling me too and me being kind of like because like i knew you were doing it but like i was kind of like a douche sometimes and so you'd be like yeah it's midnight to 2 a.m and and i was like any other friend that you try to show something to you know at the time yeah. we're like because i mean we were older so like we weren't like talking on the phone every night you know at that yeah. time and we, we had a lot of stuff going and um it, i don't think it was until we started started end of destiny that we started hanging out like all the time again like that you know yeah but i remember you know me being like oh, i'm totally gonna stay up and check it out and then like i wouldn't and then you know buddy be all like yo yo what'd you think of the show and i'd be all like i didn't listen to it you <laughs> know and so, but yeah. like eventually i did and i was like yeah it's pretty cool and then one night he calls me up and he's like hey um you know we i really you know we could i could use a co-host you know um, and I was like, yeah, cool. And I remember even like being like a little bit nervous cause I didn't think that like, I would be like good at it, you know, like talking into a microphone or, <laughs> you know, broadcasting. Yeah. Um, I like, I always liked recording my voice when I was younger, but I didn't like, I was always afraid like live and I'm still like kind of nervous doing stuff live. It's still but, strange to me too. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it being on the radio and like, you have to understand the the radio back then, this would have been like. Was this 2006, roughly? This was 2005, like 2006? 2005, 2006, yeah. Yeah, so, like, it was very it was very weird uh, for for me at first, and I remember we would do this. and But then, like, once we sort of, like, put our heads together and, like, sort of carved out, like, what we were going to do, because I remember they used to have, like, suggestions for songs that we would play, and I, it was crazy because we would always – we just played songs off our CDs. Like we would yeah. show up with our CD booklets, yeah. you know, with like nodes and Zayo and you know all that yeah. stuff. And we because we, we started at play first. The songs. Yeah, we started at first by just kind of playing what they did. And as like the the time wore on, which was only like maybe a couple of weeks, we started putting our own stuff. Like what we did was we played what uh, they were like wanted us to play, quote unquote, from yeah. twelve to one a.m. And then after one a.m we started throwing in our own stuff from our CD books. And that's where we started with Butcher Baker and the Candlestick Baker yep, on every time. Nodes. Yeah, we always threw that on it, you know, because that was our current jam. Uh, after a little while, we realized they don't really care what we do. They're and not so, awake, dude. It's midnight yeah. to 2 a.m. They don't know what we're broadcasting live. <laughs> so we started just filling up the whole... It became like the death metal hour and hardcore. And, I mean, we were playing anything 
and it was as heavy as it could be. And I remember, I, don't, I mean, this is kind of a side jaunt, but it was like, what was it? There was the one dude because we would take requests sometimes too. Yeah, and, yeah, we had callers. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So some there were some kids that were super into what we were doing, you know. And so uh, there was, but there was one dude that like he is probably lying, you know. I mean, we were kids who nobody knows who's telling the truth, but he would always call in because he was in the hospital. I'm just gonna tell myself that he wasn't lying. Yeah, it's funnier to believe that because he would call in every Saturday because he was in the hospital with a broken neck or something, and. So he always wanted us to play Snap Your Finger, Snap Your Neck by Demon Hunter. So he'd call in. He'd say, hey, it's me. And we'd be like, hey, what's up? You feeling better? Kind of. And then you know, he'll go, play that song. And I go, okay. So we booted it up for him. <laughs> yeah, there were certain songs that always made their way into the into the rotation. And so mm -hmm. one of them, we would always start off with like, like anytime we didn't feel, I don't think we always started the show with Butcher Baker, Candlestick Maker, but like anytime we felt like we needed to like up the ante for some reason, like we didn't start off brutal enough or whatever, we would play Butcher Baker, Candlestick Maker yeah. to like to like reset the precedence of like we're going here's our baseline and heavier, you know, yeah, like we're going hard, <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, we would always and it's funny because like people would call up and ask questions. Um, and this was more me than Buddy. Buddy's like a significantly nicer human being than I am <laughs> most of the time. And so, especially back then, you know. And so, like, I remember people would, callers would call and Buddy would, like, if, if some people would call and ask us to play, like, POD. And yeah. Buddy would say something to the extent of, like, we were total gatekeepers. Because, like, you know, people would ask <laughs> we to were... hear POD or hear Reliant K or whatever, uh, or, like, Striper or something like that. I think, I think... We, no, we never played Striper because we didn't have any of the Striper. We didn't scenes. have any I feel of the like, albums. I feel like we could have been talked into playing Striper, but because um, it yeah. was still metal, right? Like, yeah. But I think that uh, we would do. They would call and say, like, "Yeah, play POD." And if if I'm the one that answered the phone, I'd be like, "No, call the point," <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> or something like that. Buddy would sometimes like if he didn't want to play something, he'd be like, "Well, you know, I'll look at our I'll look at our list <laughs> and see uh, if if we can if we can work that in a little bit later or something like that." Yeah, you know, something that like wouldn't immediately put the person on edge, yeah. you know. But um, none of the callers were live on air, so we you know we would take the calls while the music was playing, and yeah. so we, you know it, there was no danger of like being like, "Oh, we're gonna play that," and then you know right, hearing, and then the like, guy hey, hearing somebody else i'm here to call you guys out right now yeah <laughs> i remember though like if somebody requested something that we weren't super stoked about and we still played it we would then play butcher the baker the candlestick maker you know what yeah, I mean? we like, had to, like it was always like it. clockwork <laughs> yeah um, yeah we we eventually i think we played this entire album uh on yeah that. we did yeah minus the instrumentals uh you know wasn't yeah no, I'm misremembering. I don't think there was. No, we 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 because we had to play three tracks and then we had to we had to pause. Um, so I'm pretty sure there was one night we played one two three paused, told everybody what it was, five six seven paused, told everybody what it was, eight nine, and then let ten like close the show out. <laughs> yeah, that was probably a night where we had something else going on. You know yeah. what I mean? And it was one of the not that it was not a great out like we never need a reason. <laughs> you know yeah. to, to pop this record on and play the whole thing but i remember we were very like there were nights and i don't think this was one of them but i i think there were nights where like 
I, especially towards the end, like at, at some point we got burned out on it because you have to realize that midnight to 2 a.m. every Saturday night is not like sustainable. Yeah. You know, forever, like especially with what we had going on, because when we started that, we didn't really have a lot going on. And then whenever we whenever we eventually stopped doing the radio show, we were in end of destiny, like full time, you know, writing songs and mm -hmm. working on our record that we were going to put out and all that stuff. And I remember we would even throw into destiny song, like demo songs on the, uh, on the oh, show yeah. sometimes we and then like not that. tell people that it was us, like that yeah. it was our band. It was just like, oh, this, <laughs> these new strapping up and comers, uh, end of destiny have this song the day the world fell down. I think y'all should check it out and request it. Well, that's uh, how some of the first shows were. Some of the, some of the kids that listened to us, uh, came to our show cause they became fans yeah, from that yeah. they figured out that it was us and we were playing our own band you know yeah. like dweebs and you know so then we ended up getting you know fans from that but yeah know. i remember that because we we played a show one time at the creepy crawl and one of the opening bands were like huge fans and they yeah. were like super stoked that we were there and all that and i remember that was such a really weird experience that i don't think i've ever had since you know like just that that weird kind of like oh i, I listen to you guys all the time or i'm the guy that calls and asks for x song or you know like that sort of thing yeah and i it's funny though because like towards the end of that we kind of just we got so burned out like i remember one time i had i had, I had a shit really bad and so like we put <laughs> we on played like, terminate uh, damnation no, we played uh, the we, we Unnatural didn't... Conception, the 17-minute-long oh, right. Paramecium song. So, like, I mean, name a Christian radio station in the early 2000s that was playing 17-minute death doom metal songs, <laughs> you know, because I was like, I can, I can reasonably, like, walk out of the studio across the hallway to the bathroom do my business and then walk all the way back and there's still like three minutes left of the song you know yeah. <laughs> playing and uh and i remember when we did that too i i remember it was like right before we quit and i don't even remember how we quit but i remember at one point somebody like it must have been like one of the radio station heads or something i remember him calling us up and saying something along the lines of like we need to have a conversation about the midnight show yeah but then like we like quit like a couple weeks later and like didn't ever have the conversation you know yeah because we were already so burnt out about it you know because i mean it yeah because we yeah because i remember we were supposed to do that call and we ended up i ended up going to the guy who was like running the whole block uh who went to my church and i was just like hey we can't we just can't do this anymore it's too much time and yeah you know some of that time was also our own fault but oh yeah you know, some of it wasn't because like okay so from my apartment it was a 45 minute drive. And then Dan had to drive from his house to my house, which was also like what, 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah. Well. So, I mean, it was, it was a hell of a prep time. Like I had to be ready to go by like nine 30. Yeah. And then we would get done with the show at 2 AM pack up. We were ready to go. We would leave drive 45 minutes. It's now like 3 AM and pull into a freaking Jack in the box yeah. and order each like six tacos and go back to my apartment and i had rented some movie on dvd from netflix some stupid old you know european horror movie or something it was zombie would... four man it was an italian zombie film <laughs> exactly and so then we'd stay up to like 6 a.m watching movies and then he would go home and i would go to sleep <laughs> 
you you go to sleep for like an hour and a half and then go to church like yeah literally like you were crazy i was um, nuts yeah like and i remember yeah i remember one night dude it's probably like the most tired i've ever been except for like maybe when i worked at the dialysis place but like it had to like i know the sun was starting to come so it had to be sometime between 5 30 and 6 a.m and we're sitting there watching this movie where there's like a a really, really, really sharp piece of wood sticking out of the wall, and it's like going into this lady's eye in like and, slow motion. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, "What am I doing? Oh my god! Like, what are we crazy. doing with ourselves?" Yes. So, uh, and hey, hey, we're still alive, and we're talking about this Nodes album. So, number four is a great instrumental. I mean, it's it's four minutes long, but like, and I know like because there's no records or there's no lyrics to dissect here. Uh, it might seem a little weird to be talking about it, but like this song absolutely is the breath of fresh air that you need after being beat over the head for three tracks in a row. Yeah, because it still hits too. It's not like they, you know, there's no lyrics, but they're still playing something profound with it. Yeah. And it's it's easing you into what they're going to do with the fifth track um, because they're bringing in that mixture again, you know, because with Butcher and the Baker, that was all heavy again. And then number four brings in that breath of fresh air. And then five, they mix it up and kind of have, you know, uh, a more uh, dynamic, you know, overall writing piece to it. Yeah. And then we, uh, you know, you don't want to blink or you're going to miss this next one. <laughs> well, don't blink or we may miss it. I do feel like it's sometimes overshadowed by the next song. But yeah, it, like, it's, yeah. don't blink is, is, is absolutely one of the most, like, it's a song that makes me feel something that I haven't really put my finger on exactly what it is after all these years like i don't have a big story with it but like this song is like every single time i like realize something you know like i'll be thinking about some brainstorming something maybe something somebody said or you know maybe i figure out that like there's a vast conspiracy against me at work or something like this song sort of like that that like when it starts off like all slow and and sort of creepy like it feels like this amazing realization and then it just goes into like just straight up brutality and one thing that nodes does a lot you know on this record is there there's all that like where everything sort of falls out but he's still doing like the full on intense like growl and um they they pair that with melodic moments and it just absolutely blows me away how to tug at the right mm-hmm. strings you know to get you to feel and remember it and yep. i mean yeah because like this the if you read over the lyrics of this track you know like you talk about not being able to like put your finger to it because it's it's a general feeling that they're conveying which is you know they're talking about i see this place as adam once saw eden you know and i see people as adam once saw eve but gone is the garden of perfection you know it's this idea that there's a thing that you you once saw as something pure, beautiful, awesome, you know, whatever. And now something has changed and you see what it what it really was or, you know, what it's become. And it's, you know, no longer uh, the awesome thing that it used to be. 
Yeah. And I think that is something that is applicable in many situations in people's lives, which is why, you know, that always coming back to this, you know, album because so many songs are like this. Yeah. And it's funny that you keep using the terminology tugging strings because when you look at this album, the the cover is literally a dude pulling strings. Like they're wrapped all around his body and he's like trapped inside the strings and he's got to like fight his way out you know like i love that i didn't even i didn't even think about that he's like bound (laughs) but let's uh let's move on to the most quotable song (laughs) on this album the song is called oh yeah well my daddy died with a needle in his arm and this song sort of plays with you because this record is kind of playful like there are so many so many metalcore records that were so serious musically and lyrically and this one definitely is that but they sort of like play around with you a little bit like this this song starts off super super creepy like it's just like you know like it's 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 weird and then dude just comes in in full guttural growl and is like break out the best china and you're like wait what (laughs) you know yeah what is he what is he talking about and it's like it's a very serious song about like a rock star committing suicide but like it's i'll just say it it's it's unintentionally funny yeah (laughs) <laughs> because it just the way that it sometimes is delivered kind of um, because you can take some of those parts and just pull them out and quote them so easily um, you know especially because break out the best China is repeated like 15 times in the beginning break yeah. break out break break out break out the best China yeah like it's it's ridiculous and but I mean it's also like really serious too because obviously it's talking about you know suicide and it's like just the way he just casually just like opens up the song it was just being like another one died today and it goes into you know kind of a lot of the themes of suicide but what i think is really interesting about it is how that song like builds to this like really climatic climatic no this song just like really really builds to this apex of like he's basically like they convey the moment of suicide musically yeah um in a way that's like actually like really profound so like even if you like if you're just starting the song and you're like oh it's playful and it's weird he's talking about break out the best china all that by the end of the song you're just like standing there like wide-eyed like oh my god (laughs) you know what just happened You know, and, and, you know, like it comes out of that, like, really, like, dissonant, you know, moment of death. And he's just like, you know, another dead rock star. Rest in peace. You know, like it, it's yeah. um, it's that this song definitely tugs on the most strings, I feel like, at the same time. Yeah. And it's uh, it's it's truly unique. I like there really aren't a whole lot of like Christian metalcore songs from 2003 that are that are like this that you know that yeah. are that serious and um but also like unintentionally comedic it's such a strange combination of feelings yeah and i think that's why it has stuck with me for such a long time it's one of the best songs on the album um you know and again because it plays to 
the dynamicism of their sound, you know, knowing when to drop in, be heavy, when to let something sit and ride. And it just gives it a layer uh, that you don't find in a lot of metalcore nowadays with just, you know, constant barrage of sound. And I appreciate when a band can um, pull back a bit and let something sit for a minute before they go back in full force. And I think that from this song on, the record kind of takes on a little bit more of an experimental tone. Because I feel like the first five songs, while still being incredible, definitely follow, you know, kind of kind of that same sort of pattern. Like, in, it, it's very much the part of the album where it's like, if you were a fan of the album before this, then, you'll, you know, you're, you're going you're gonna to go over the moon for these songs. But then, like, once you get to, oh, yeah, well, my daddy died with a needle in his arm, the record starts to get weird, you know, yeah. and uncomfortable because you go into this song called New York City 1963, and it's got this, it starts off, like, with this, like, really low-quality, like, grainy, like, interview. I mean, are you protesting against certain things that you, you, you're, you're angry about? I'm not angry. Well, then This song's interesting to me because like it it sort of deals with the idea of like having sort of an underground movement that is like very unique to you, you know, or very unique to the time and place that it took place and it's it's very relatable to me because that's kind of like if you listen to the previous episode that I did with Buddy on, on drawing black lines like we him and I definitely lived kind of on our own island where we were like kind of into our own thing together yeah. and there's a really fun part in this song where he's just like but you never thought it'd go pop you know and like all this stuff and like i would have never thought that about this kind of music like about this kind of like this christian metalcore stuff especially just a few years later man by like 2005 2006 this stuff was like all over the place it's always kind of blown my mind, you know, and I talked about this a little bit even with the Lorna Shore video that I did, talking about how, like, it's crazy to me that, like, you know, To the Hellfire has, like, 11 million views or something on YouTube, and I go back and I kind of listen to, like, a song like this from 2003, and I'm like, man, uh, yeah, it's it's an absolutely true statement where, like, you, I never thought that this sort of thing would be popular. Now, I do think that they take it kind of more of in a negative direction of, like, well, if it's if it's popular then it's not like the same and it's it's different in like a bad way uh and i don't necessarily know if i think that about about music being popular now like i feel like when we were younger we would have been a little turned off by that yeah and i think that it's weird that we sort of came full circle to where we were like yeah i don't like that this is popular i don't like that this is 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 i don't like that like for lack of a better term i don't like that like casual music listeners know about the ultra brutal underground band that i like you know uh, yeah. which i think is why we got like early into black metal for a while you know we had to like, find something deeper we yeah it was deeper. our it, it was our response to that but like i feel like this song definitely has a little bit of that like sort of gatekeepiness to it and you know so do we so we liked it you know like, yeah it, it makes tons of sense what do you think about Kyrie, buddy? I feel like I talked through that whole one and didn't let you talk at all. Oh, it's okay. I don't have a, a big attachment to New York City 1963. Uh, Kyrie, though, 
that one uh, I really love because there's I think at like a minute I think it's like a yeah it's like a minute 55 is where it kicks into this like bridge or something and it's just got this killer riff that just I you know you know how bands do that thing where they play a sick riff and it's ever just so not long enough and you just want more of it mm -hmm. that's like what i feel about this particular track is that um it's always like oh yeah it's that riff and then i want to hear it again and again and so i keep repeating it because the riff is never long enough for me right <laughs> yeah yeah it is a, it's a very short song yeah uh, they all are like this record but i mean i and i'm not going to complain about this at all because i love that um this record is like really really short yeah it's uh, at 34 minutes yeah, perfect length, right? Get yeah. in and get out. Get in, punch you in the face, and then get out. Yeah, um, go grab a cheeseburger. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then we come along to Faith in the Foe. Is that what it's called? Faith in the Foe? Yeah, Faith in the Foe. I used to call it yeah, Faith in the Fox, <laughs> you know, because I don't know how to read or pronounce <laughs> things correctly. But, uh, yeah, this was like, this was the single, right? This is the first track that they released off this? I think so, yeah. Cause then, cause I mean, the song ends with "I'll kill you with a smile." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was the first time we thought that we like had a profound thought. Cause I remember we were sitting there listening to that song, and we're and we're just, like singing along, like like we do, and just like, "Kill you with a smile, kill you with a smile." And then Buddy like has like this light bulb, and he's like, "Wait a minute." He's like, "This could be two totally different ways." Like, is is the fact that he's smiling what's killing me? Or is he literally killing me while smiling? <laughs> you know, <laughs> we don't like, know. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know what the artistic, you know, hit us up, uh, hit us up, dftdungeon at gmail.com. Let us know uh, <laughs> what you think that that song is, is about, uh, if you, if you've made it this long. Um, but guys, it's been, it's, it's about that time. You know, we like to keep these things like a little bit short. So that leads us to the end, the end, <laughs> which just is an instrumental that just carries you off into the night. Yep, just a minute long. It's not. It's not. You know, crazy. I I personally hate it when a CD ends with like seventeen minutes of like silence. You know, like, yeah, there, well, there's like there's like three minutes of song, and then it, it sort of just like fades out into noise over the course of like you know fifteen or seventeen minutes, it, unless yeah. it's on drawing black lines, and then it's okay. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like, I think that this is this record just absolutely like starts perfectly, ends perfectly. Everything in the middle is just crunchy and perfect. Um, mm -hmm. It blows the big and tasty out of the water. From track one to to track ten, it's, it's phenomenal album. Every track is memorable in some way. Even the instrumentals are memorable, and because it's only thirty four minutes, it's like this perfect length to just keep listening and i mean dan and i have been listening to it for 20 years um it's a phenomenal album and you know i, I don't I'd call it a solid gold record maybe <laughs> this is like pure bliss if you like yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it, it is a, absolutely a solid gold record 
what I think is is fun about this record too is that like you know on this podcast when I'm doing solo episodes or I'm doing one with a guest or whatever I I tend to like focus on like one very specific story in association with a record you know like oh, this record reminds me of that time that I you know had snot on my shirt or whatever like not not really but like <laughs> this record is fun because as you can hear if you've listened to like the last hour of this there's like a hundred stories that involve this record in one way shape or form yeah and to me that's what a that's what a solid gold record is is a record that um sticks with you forever because this thing never really gets old i do get like listening exhaustion sometimes with with certain bands and certain albums where like i'll like it a lot initially and then i'll listen to it 10 million times and then i'm just like ah, i kind of want to throw up every time i hear this combination of notes you know like it, it bothers yeah. me but with this album it never it never went away that that initial joy that initial zeal of hearing it and being excited about it has never gone away as a matter of fact i own like at least three copies of this record because <laughs> i wore out the original one to the point where i couldn't listen to it anymore and then i found it at a thrift store and that one started kind of wearing down it wasn't dead yet like i still listen to that copy but i've got like another i think one or two copies of it in reserve for if it if it stops working um that was still a little bit before like digital stuff so i don't i don't tend to do that kind of thing now but for this yeah, record, now you got a flack version of it so right yeah that, that will never die sitting on my on my solid state hard drive right yeah uh but yeah i mean it, it there aren't a lot of records that will elicit that type of behavior from me and uh i think there's probably about like what only nine other records that you and i like personally would would give the same level of praise to as this one so yeah. uh, maybe sometime in the future we'll we'll kind of dig into those uh other yeah. ones i think and, that'd be uh, really fun go digging for more solid gold records go digging for some solid gold records that's right <laughs> pan in the well, stream well buddy as always man you know i know we talk all the time anyway so like this isn't weird but for the listeners um i uh i, I want to thank you for for giving your time and giving your thoughts and your memories yeah, man, I, I always love doing it, um, you know, going back down memory memory lane and just remembering some of the crazy stuff that we used to do or even not so crazy stuff and some of the hardships we went through and the fact that we've stuck around for, you know, 24 or five years or something like that. And I don't, I don't yeah. remember at this point anymore, but like, um, you know, yeah, it's always a it's always a great time. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of DFT's Dungeon. I could sit and talk with Buddy about these records forever. And uh, if you guys like us talking about records that we both consider to be solid gold, we may have something in the works for that. Maybe just like a couple of bonus episodes here and there. We haven't figured it all out yet, but when we do, we will let you guys know. But again, if you guys like the podcast, make sure you're subscribed to it. Make sure you follow us on all of our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. And uh, you can always send me an email at dftdungeon at gmail.com. But if you want to hang out with me and also Buddy, 
Uh, Buddy is on the Discord server along with myself and several other listeners of the podcast. We like to hang out there. We like to share memes. We like to talk about music. And there will be a link to that Discord server in the show notes of this episode. Thank you guys all so much for your support of the podcast. I've had kind of a rocky start with this season, and uh, hopefully it's all smooth sailing from here. If you guys want to support me on Patreon, I do have a link to Patreon also in the show notes. So uh, if that's something that you feel compelled to do, that is awesome. I hope to hear from you guys soon, but if not, that's okay. I will talk to you right here next week.